welcome to the GCW Plant Podcast, episode 37. John J. Wolf, how are you doing tonight, John? I'm doing fantastic, dude. How are you doing tonight? Doing good. Just got back from Chuck E. Cheese night from my son's school and ready to now do some adult time and cover GCW's one afternoon only. Coming from the arena in Jeffersonville, Indiana. And I know before we uh, get into the actual card, you Mm -hmm. have a pretty good history of the arena, which I am glad because I had no idea about the history of the arena. So uh, why don't you educate me here on what is so special about the arena in Jeffersonville, Indiana? Okay, so it's just called the arena, which I found funny just from the get go. But... This kind of loops around a little bit with a talk that we had from the previous episode here just recently about Madman Pondo. So I'll try to begin now instead of going through the okay, la la la. So I'm going to get away on this one if I'm not careful. So Too Tough Tony, he is the owner of the arena, the building, the arena. So this is a family friendly building, so to speak. Nick Gage makes sure that he, uh, <laughs> he makes sure that that's known quite up front that this is a family friendly place. And we'll talk about that further also. But I did want to talk about Too Tough Tony for a moment because we do have a lot of fans of hardcore wrestling. We do have a lot of fans of independent wrestling out there. And we do have a lot of new fans who are under the age of 30, 35, 25, 20, who may who may take some interest in Too Tough Tony if they knew who exactly he was. So he debuted in 1996. He was an eight-time heavyweight champion. He carried the ICW heavyweight championship once, the IWA Mid-South championship twice, the JCW heavyweight championship three times, and the MRW heavyweight championship once. He was in ECW off and on from 1996 to 2001. He also worked IWA Mid-South, CZW, Big Japan Pro Wrestling, and Juggalo Championship Wrestling. So when he broke into the business in around 96, one of his first wrestling friends was Madman Pondo. So Pondo had seen some promising, um, some promise in him as a worker and was the one who trained him in the hardcore style. And also Madman, being the teacher that he was, was the one who brought to Tough Tony over to Japan at BJPW. So another little fun fact that I think people who are the GCW, ECW kind of people like ourselves, we kind of like that type of history. Here's one for you. Tony signed with ECW the same day the bank granted ECW bankruptcy. No shit. Same day. That's crazy. Yeah, that doesn't seem like it would make any sense either. But uh, get one last little uh, investment in there before you go bankrupt. I guess it's not too bad of a plan, I guess. Yeah, that that was definitely during those times where things were muddied because I, I think what was going on there was they were probably still trying to get shows in and get money in the door before the thing folds because once bankruptcy hits it's it's done for so if you can run some shows get some cash in the door that isn't looked at tax wise you know it's kind of helpful to the whole to the whole cause there uh the last thing i wanted to mention here about good old two tough tony and pondo on their third tour of japan they uh got caught on a bus quote and unquote, dancing and undulating around the statue of a frog holding a donut. I, I, uh, 
I think that's fucking fantastic. I just had to say that. So <laughs> that's what I wanted to share about Too Tough Tony for those of you who don't know the history behind him or maybe only know him in JCW right now. Yeah, this is what you get to know about him. So, yeah, there's the story about him and Pondo. And here you are again, where you get to find out Pondo was a decent guy doing his thing. Even tonight, he comes out because he's helping out GCW and helping out his buddy at the arena. You know, cool stuff. Yeah, I like how it wrapped around to our discussion last time because I learned a lot about Pondo last time. I did uh, later on during that podcast, I admitted that I was completely wrong on him. I jumped to conclusions, didn't do any research. I kind of just went off the first couple of times I seen him. So seeing uh, how he related to Too Tough Tony and this arena was kind of nice because I do know of Too Tough Tony a little bit from the ECW days, but not from any of the ICWs, IWAs, uh, still not even ZZW Mm -hmm. too much, but uh, I will be. You'll get there. Yeah, I'll be catching up on all that stuff too and uh, learning all that stuff. And it's kind of cool to... uh, now fully not fully understand but understand better now of uh what uh madman pondo really has contributed to the whole independent wrestling scene and the whole deathmatch scene with two tough tony now providing his arena to gcw i thought that was uh pretty cool that makes makes some more sense now that you explained it of why they end up running this show in this arena they probably probably got an awesome little discount as well or little Mm -hmm. uh a friendly little uh friendly discount but that it makes sense and everything like with the whole as you said it's kind of a more family friendly kind of venue and stuff like that it's uh it makes more sense now so yes you have educated me now two weeks in a row and hopefully all you fans out there got educated as well yeah so i'm I'm just trying to see if i can put some stuff out there history wise because if i can think of one or two little things out there that's new and different to us and you know we've been told we're dictionaries we can be yeah. dictionaries with this stuff. So it's always nice to hear something new and it's always nice to spit out something new that someone hasn't heard before, at least recently. So that was our history lesson for this episode. And like, like I said, it's a perfect tie in of last episode and uh, going into yeah. this one as uh, the GCW one afternoon only is from the arena in Jeffersonville and the Night kind of starts out as it normally does. MLJ mm-hmm. saying he's in the arena, which was cool. Like I said before, I like hearing him kind of switch up the the venues or the settings of where they are at. And the night starts off with Nick Gage making his entrance. And see, I didn't know the whole family friendly stuff until actually this part of the show. So, um, yeah. Yeah, him coming out and saying that this is a family-friendly fucking building was... Uh, yeah, this is awesome, the family-friendly yeah. fucking building, right? People are laughing. This That was great. This whole segment, to be honest with you, was probably like my favorite moment of this whole night just because of the entertainment and the comedy that... MLJ still talking. Okay, we kind of established this is family-friendly, so Nick Gage said he's going to try his fucking best and shit. And hands a mic over to Emil. Then I think he just hands a mic over. So he assumes no one can hear him. And Emil J is like, uh, he hands Emil J like, hit me with that stuff instead of shit, which I loved. And as Emil J is kind of doing it, you just hear Nick Gage in the background, just walking around the ring, still just cussing out. And it's still picking up (laughs) over the mic. And Emil J is kind of like looking at him every time. It's like, dude, we can still hear you. I loved every single bit of this opening. Emil J does the, clean version of mdk which was awesome like mdk like the fans though uh all fucking day chanted it out and then dave prezak's like 
the fans you're supposed to censor yourself there you're supposed to go with all freaking day and like i just loved it all like they wanted to mm-hmm. their best to try to be family friendly but in typical nick gage and especially gcwa it's kind of hard to stay family friendly but i love how the fans were the ones that really wanted to uh not have the show start off and kind of turn into a family friendly show as a as typical gcw fans i know we'll talk about later we expect the blood the violence and all that stuff so after this intro, I was expecting a more of a kind of New York kind of show, to be honest with you. After hearing all this and seeing it, I was like, oh, okay. So they're running at a Too Tough Tony's place. This is his probably building. He doesn't want it to go crazy. He has a reputation of trying to keep the arena family friendly. I, I was assuming. I didn't know all that history and stuff until you just said it. So I just thought, okay, this is GCW. We can't have blood. I'm expecting no light tubes and no none of the cussing and all that stuff. But... If it was anything like how the opening segment was, I was all in for what kind of chaos the night would turn into just because of them trying to keep it professional and family friendly, but not being able to uh, keep themselves in a family friendly kind of mode. So my thought is I appreciate up front they told us this because it would be I think we've had these shows where we just were halfway in. We're going Okay, when's it going to really kick off? When's GCW really going to kick into gear like we, you know, want to see? And sometimes it doesn't happen, or you watch a whole show and there's no blood. Funny thing, this is how I ended up learning the rules of some of these states and sometimes some of the uh, venues. So, again, I appreciate that they told us that up front because honestly, it would have had, there would have been different expectations Yep. had I not known that this is what was agreed to. And I understand it's a performance. This is what's agreed to perfectly understandable, especially if it's said uh, specifically, it's a family venue. I respect that too. I don't know if it's near a church or something, who the heck knows, but with me, clean Emil and the best MDK intro of the night, for sure. The freaking God of this stuff had me laughing so fucking hard i was laughing so hard um i think dave yeah. prazak even making comments and like just dying himself enjoying the moment i think that's what got me even more into the mood of this is going to be a fun family friendly show they're all just mm-hmm. having fun with this because like he's just on commentary making comments and enjoying himself which as we talk about we kind of love it when the entertainers and the commentators are enjoying themselves and having fun it just sets as you said it sets the tone and Mm -hmm. uh, the expectation of okay this is family friendly i in my mind is like okay i'm just going to expect a family friendly show but later on it gets a little crazy and it felt kind of as a nice pleasant surprise because of what my expectations were of how they kind of adjusted it midway through this uh I think it was like more towards the end, but I like how they did kind of like a little adjustment and did give us GCW fans, the bloodthirsty fans, kind of what we wanted while keeping majority of the show family friendly. Yeah. And just typical GCW. They did everything that they could with what they had for us. Mm-hmm. So I give them that much. Um, yeah, this uh, this I don't know how many times or if I have seen the arena show up at a GCW show since we've started uh, doing any podcasting at all. Is this the first time for us seeing? Uh, my be. first time, yeah. And I think okay. it, I th- it might be their first time too, but cause I remember a lot of people. Yeah, were I'm posting, curious about that. Yeah, he- heading into the show, I saw a lot of like, you know, the, the social media, the the videographers, the people that make the videos and stuff. They were posting like a couple different videos of classic arena moments that happened and not GCW promotion, but out of the promotions at mm-hmm. the arena. And I, I thought that was probably kind of cool seeing 
the kind of different stuff that's happened in that arena because it made it feel like, oh, like I should be looking out for this or, oh, that kind of happened. I wonder what GCW is kind of going to do in that that form. But I didn't know any of the family friendly stuff. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, So I looked back at the arena because that was one question I I had to. Sorry, I cut you off. that, That was one question I originally had was, have we seen GCW at this arena before? And I started looking back through funny thing. It may have been newly a family friendly place because up to even, I think, a year or maybe two years ago, IWA Mid-South was running through there. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, they unless IWA Mid-South had everybody fighting on their knees with pads on and there was no, you know, no light tubes within arm's length. Um, But I just wow. Um, I think I've said everything I need to say. I'm trying to search to say something else on this. (laughs) I really like the venue. I think the people it took them a while to get into this. But obviously, honestly, to me, the first couple matches were a little slower than the usual GCW start, honestly. And I think they may, that may have impacted also. Plus, the performers feed with the fans and vice versa. So I know the fans originally just weren't up and at it yet. Maybe it was just because it was freaking cold in Indiana and I wouldn't blame them. <laughs> yeah, doing a quick little research on cage mats. It is their one and only time in Jeffersonville, Indiana according to cage match so uh yeah let's see what the debut at the arena turns into as the first matchup of the evening we have star boy charlie going one-on-one with jeffrey john and it feels like we see it's been a minute since we've seen jeffrey john on gcw i know he's been on a couple of the uh jcw shows and oh i guess the settlement series shows as well um yeah, once again, Starboy Charlie in an, <laughs> an opening match, and I was like, okay, they're they're letting him kind of get the hot starts going for the night and get the crowd behind him. I was still still wondering what they're going to do with the uh, if he's done with the South Pacific Savages and Juicy and uh, Jacob Fatu, or is he going to roll into another storyline? We don't really get any answers this show, but I I'm just now every time I see Starboy, I just wonder what's next for Starboy. Um, because if he's had that almost year long, year and a half long feud going on with the South Pacific Savages. So with this not being a story uh story led match, this was a pretty decent opener. Um kind of surprised to see Jeffrey John in the one on one match, to be honest, after seeing Starboy and um uh Jack Cartwell the night before in the opener. So I was interested to see what Jeffrey John would provide and it was it was a good first match, not our typical high flying, high energy one. But as we've seen in the last couple of shows prior to the last few shows as well, like they'd be kind of going back and forth with super high energy openers or just let's ease the crowd into it openers. And with the family friendly venue and all that stuff, I was expecting kind of a soft open. And this was this was a fine matchup for an opening. I really liked that Star Boys kind of doing more with his moveset and evolving the moveset as well. All right. So Jeffrey came out and he has a babushka on his head. That is a headscarf that's used by old Polish or Russian ladies. I don't know if you've ever seen like a cartoon or an old, you know, I've seen um, it in person. <laughs> so, so he wrestled with it on. He was a heel character. I'm assuming that's his thing. He has a local talent. I would recommend that if you do have that on to give a story or if GCW didn't allow you to have one, try to make it one in the ring somehow, make it almost fall off your head and then, you know, try to make a problem to put it back on real quick or something. But um, 
it was lost to me as to why it made me think he was like a cartoon character that had a sore tooth. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. when they used to tie up your head for a uh-huh. sore tooth. Like um, really tied yeah, I just up didn't get it. the chin no and big stuff deal. like that. <laughs> um, let's see here. The only other thing I wanted to mention here was that there was, or at least what I wanted to mention with Jeffrey was that he sold the knee injury really well, like exceptionally well. And, um, that's one thing I will say for sure that was exceptionally positive is how well he made that look because you can see a lot of guys, you know, they pivot on it or whatnot. No, he, he really kept it up. And I thought that was definitely worthy of mentioning. I thought, I think like during his previous kind of GCW matches, I don't remember him actually wrestling the match with it on. I remember him coming out with it a couple of times, but yeah, yeah. Not actually, <laughs> sorry, not actually keeping it on. So, uh, I think that was kind of more of impressive him keeping it on throughout the match, but he had that thing tight, <laughs> tight, tight around his chin. So um, it wouldn't fly off, but yeah, I, it was a good opener. I like how Starboy did pick up the victory. It keeps his momentum going. Cause I think they still do have some sort of plan that they're going to go with Starboy. I just don't really know where, cause I don't really see much of Starboy in other promotions, maybe like West coast pro and stuff, but his main booking seems to be GCW. So I would kind of like to see maybe if he would start feuding with one of the veterans again and kind of still earn some more in-ring status. I would, I thought maybe Joey Janela was going to turn on him during the South Pacific Savages, kind of like how Ooh. he turned on X, uh, Sean Waltman Xbox. So that's where I was thinking it was leading up to, but I don't know. I I think Starboy's starting to grow into a star. Unfortunately, I don't want to say Starboy, but he's, he's grown into a star. I think they should be doing something with him storyline-wise of, Maybe getting him in there with Joey Janela or Charles Mason. That might be one of uh, the next in line on Charles Mason's book there to attack uh, GCW wrestlers from behind. So the crowd was definitely behind Starboy. And I'm with you there with what's going to go on forward from here for him. Um, I'm going to mention just right off the bat, the winner was Starboy Charlie. This was a very short match. It was just a touch under seven minutes long. Um, also, I'm very tired and it's finals week, so please nobody crucify me on Twitter for this recording. But number one, I will say West Coast Pro is an awesome company and they're really doing it right. And there's a lot of GCW regulars that show up over there on the show. So anybody who is a fan, if it does not interfere one night, definitely check them out. I really do think West Coast Pro does it right out there. And they're another small company, but... You can see they're putting in a lot of effort to put on a fantastic show for the fans. So I wanted to make sure I mentioned that. And then number two, just like Finn Baller and the Demon, where's Starman? How about we have Starboy Charlie and then we have Starman? Not just, you know, maybe it's the 80s kid in me. I would love to see him get pissed off like when Finn Balor gets all pissed and out comes the Demon, out comes Starman. Starman Chuck. I've seen worse ideas. Trust me, dude. Starman is not a horrible. I just I saw them mention it. And the first thing in my head was Starman. And, you know, I went to uh, when you and I went to the Grab House show here out in Las Vegas when he wrestled. I went over to him. I went, please tell me you're going to get a fucking Starman outfit. I go, listen, dude, you're going to kill it if you get that outfit. And he wrestled more heel that night as well. And it was kind of nice yeah. being a different version of Starboy, and he actually i think he could be a pretty decent heel i don't i i don't think the timing's right now but i could see him as he gets more comfortable in a heel character maybe start as keeps on practicing it outside of gcw at the other promotions i would definitely mm-hmm. would like to see Starboy kind of switch up his uh 
switch it up into, as you said, a more serious instead of star boy. Like, hey, I'm tired of being called a boy. I'm a man. Respect me. But I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I definitely would like to see him be a heel at some point because I think it'd be a nice change of pace for him because it gets to a point, as you said, where does the star boy kind of end? And when do you become when the star, star man? man? Exactly. Correct. And, and that's what we kind of thought we were going to get to when he was wrestling against Joey. And I think it was Blake Christian on back-to-back nights. Um, and they kind of were saying, no, like you're the, you get rid of boy. You're a man. Like you need to do it. Mm-hmm. And then I think that should have been the time they capitalize on it going into the feud with the South Pacific savages. I thought that would make perfect sense of, Hey, I'm not a boy no more. I'm a man. I'm going to show you that in the cage match with juicy, but I still think there is time and a way to kind of, uh, expedite that process if they feel the need to so this is going to be a mouthful for me but all of this lines up perfectly with what you're saying for the Starboy situation when we saw him at um at grab house the one thing i had mentioned to another promoter i said this is really interesting because Starboy in this one isn't the boy in this match at grab house he was going up up against a uh, a younger talent from uh, las vegas here he's only 15 years old so it was really interesting to see a match where he wasn't the boy. He wasn't the sympathizer. He wasn't going that route and he played heel. And I think he played a perfect heel with that young kid. Cause like the young kid does have a lot of similarities. Um, uh, the out here, it's Brody, uh, not Brody Bodie. Um, he is 15 years old, but he does have a, uh, kind of a star boy, like, uh, frame he still is as you said 15 years old so he's still going to be building into his uh frame and stuff like that so i i definitely see a lot of similarities between Starboy and the Bodie that we saw out here yeah i think he plays a really good heel i think Starboy has the heel face he has the type of body that is very large you can see the boxing genetics definitely in him with the chest and the way his shoulders are rounded I see a young Eddie Guerrero all the way down to the hair. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, wait, all the way down to the tights, the tights, the hair. I see Eddie Guerrero there and I see the upper body just being so large and triangular like Eddie Guerrero was in his peak years at WWE when he was really, you know, and I do know that Eddie started out real close to the same size as uh, as what Starboy was. So, I mean, it's all possible and there's a pedigree there of at least fine Mexican sportsmanship with both parents being boxers. So I I don't think that he's any stranger to regiment and training. So I'm really I'd really be interested to see what his upside may be here. And I think of I think of him being a heel would be the way to really go. And I think I would kind of compare it to when uh, Eddie Guerrero was kind of like in his little silence but like deadly mode in WCW, like when he was just showing up, we got that mm. pissed off look on his face, come mm-hmm. out, but do incredible shit in the ring and went over the crowd that way as a heel or a face. But then we saw later, like how much charisma he had. And I think as Starboy could kind of still keeps on growing. I, I, I still what 21, 22. So I think if he still keeps on molding 
both his face. He's still obviously going to be very easy to cheer for as Starboy Charlie, but I think if he starts wanting to grow and expand the heel version of Starboy, I could see him being like one of those silents, like, I'm tired of talking. I'm not going to be here to talk. I'm just going to show up, kick ass, show you guys I'm not Starboy no more. I'm at my own man and go the Eddie Guerrero route as he did in WCW. I think that would be kind of a perfect suit for Starboy because we really haven't seen the charisma of like the promos and stuff like that for star, but we just kind of see his in-ring charisma, which is awesome and fantastic. So I would like to kind of, as we always talk about, we want to see people talk. It would be kind of nice to see him get on the mic a little bit more and show us what is, uh, what he's capable of on the mic. Yeah. He, um, right now he can still pull the sympathetic baby face situation, but as he gets older, that's going to go away. And, I've watched both sides. It just seems like, I mean, he's just not going to get that cold sympathy. You know, yeah. Rad, Raddy has that sympathy that you're just, you have to, you have to naturally have a certain look or I don't know, but it works for him. But as you said, yeah, for now. With Charlie for, for now, all this is working, but I do believe that at some point he won't be star boy. And I really hope to see him grow into an Eddie Guerrero esque character. I'm repeating myself, but that's finals week for you. <laughs> yeah, man. Our second matchup of the evening. I was excited to see this one as AJ Gray returns to singles competition in GCW going against Axton Ray. And yeah, I love like, obviously I'm a giant fan of Axton Ray. I love seeing how he's progressed moveset. Um, He's getting more charismatic in the ring. We're starting to see him kind of enjoy himself and have fun with it, uh, what's going on in the ring and still be able to go toe-to-toe with some of the best in the world, like how he did with Speedball. I think this was a nice change of pace and match going against AJ Gray because AJ Gray is more like the hard-hitting uh, striker. And I think that goes kind of well against Axon Ray, who's kind of like does a lot of moves on the ground, does a lot of the innovative high-flying and uh, in-ring moves as well, but we've seen AJ Gray kind of pull out Ninja when he was a Ninja AJ Gray. I like when, mm-hmm. when that was going on, and he looks in incredible shape right now, AJ Gray does from his time off. He's bulked up, and it's awesome to see him in such great shape, and uh, now seeing him back in one-on-one action, I'm excited to see how he kind of mix, mixes back into the GCW title pictures as the former Extreme Champion holder, and as, as well as former uh, GCW world champion. And this match was a super fun one. I enjoyed everything Mm -hmm. during this match. I loved how they kind of switch roles midway during the match of kind of based off of the crowd reaction and stuff. What was your thoughts on this match? Yeah. AJ gray definitely put some time in the gym during his time off with GCW. Uh, These two still though, had similar bodies. I was looking at their width and their height and just the amount of muscles were different in different spots here and there, but primarily they're very similar. And I was really surprised by that. Um, Axton's stranglehold for me is just kind of a cool entrance. I have to go back to it. I don't know if it's just my inner redneck or I don't know what it is, but it's funny <laughs> to me. I like hearing it. Um, also Axton put on some facial hair. Honestly, it's, you know, it's not, it's more about wrestling here, but it was a good improvement. And I think it helps take away the baby face and it gives him a better look if he ever does decide to go heel. And it makes his character look a little more mature, which he still has a baby face to him. So that maturity that that may help the maturity factor. Gray was a face in this. Axton was a heel, obviously. 
there was a nice spot where Axton hit triple topes. Looked beautiful. Mid-match, Axton was getting chance instead of AJ. He was really winning the crowd over there for a while. And uh, towards the last minute, AJ brutalizes Axton with several clotheslines. This was a this was a hard hitting match. Uh, I I expected it too. I think you were kind of expecting because we know how both of these guys are. This was not going to be you know ballet. Yeah, I was kind of expecting to see what AJ Gray would do um, in his first singles match in GCW for a while because I know he he when he came back he's wrestled two uh, two different like multi person matches like four on four or three on three with SGC and stuff. So seeing him kind of do one on one, I was wondering what kind of ring wrestler would be, but I I think we saw a little ring rest at the beginning. They just kind of try to fiddle each other out and try to see, like, figure out who was going where. But I think as, as soon as they found it out, it turned into a nice, solid match. And um, as you said, I, they are very similar. I, as you were saying, that, I'm like, I that's another <laughs> fun, interesting tag team. that <laughs> I think Axon Ray would be a fun tag team partner with almost anybody just because how innovative his moveset is and how solid he is in the ring. Whether he could be babyface, where he could go heel, I think... There's a lot of different things they could do with Action Rain. I'm enjoying watching oh, yeah. him do all these things that uh, uh, on TV and stuff like that, especially against talent like AJ Gray and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, this one turned into a hard-hitting match. I liked how they kind of kept it technical at the beginning because I think a lot of people sleep on AJ Gray's technical ability as well. I don't. I I used to be that person. They too. shouldn't. Yeah, they should not. I was that person for a little bit until like the one that really made it stick out of my mind. Um, was seeing him against ACH and the uh, in LA. That was what I think. That's in my opinion. That's uh, AJ Gray's best match I've seen him have. As he went move for move, hold for hold with ACH and ACH being the veteran that he is. Not saying that AJ is not a veteran, but I was kind of surprised to see AJ Gray very much hold his own against ACH. And I I'm loving seeing AJ Gray back. I kind of I'm interested to see if he's going to get back into the title picture right away, or if they're kind of kind of keep him easing him into it, or um, getting him back into the fans' eyes and not good graces, but like getting getting him back over with the crowd because I think that time off kind of did cool him off a little bit. But he's looking in such great shape where I don't think he'll take long for him to get the crowd behind. As you said, he's kind of the face at the beginning of this match, but. Axon Ray so good, it's kind of hard to root against him with his move set and mm-hmm. everything. So um, I think AJ Gary will be just fine. Um, I'm excited to see him back in the ring. And I I want to see Axon Ray team up with all these guys. Like, right now, I'd want to see AJ team up with Axon and go against Shane Mercer and KTV or someone. Like, this Axon should be like the wild card in all these tag teams. Well, it's because he's a solid worker. Yes. What's he is. going on is we can just basically plug in into most anyone who is a legitimate badass and he works real well with him. Like we said, AJ Gray. Um, actually, with him, I'm really hoping this is a whole fresh start and this boosts him into a higher atmosphere because if he's taken his, you know, his wrestling career as much as he's taken his lifting then it looks like he's really trying to go places. And usually when you see, you know, performers really getting their shit together like that, like how Oliver's doing, it's time to start running for belts. So I really do hope to see AJ Gray back in the saddle. He's really been out of the picture for about the last six months or so. So if you're a new fan, which there are a ton of new GCW fans, AJ Gray is somebody you really do want to watch. Pay attention. He's worth watching. That's that's what I have to say about that. Yeah, I uh, former extreme title holder, former 
albeit for a couple minutes, GCW world title holder. Um, I think last show I said I I I did mention he never got his rematch against Nick Gage. Um, once again, going to as much wrestling as I've been watching over this last year and a half. Uh, I was at that GCW show when he did go against Nick Gage. Oh, jeez. <laughs> about in LA. That's my first GCW show. That was the main event. And but I guess not knowing then that's what that's what the rematch was. I kind of forgot all about him getting it. But when I went back and looked that stat back up, I was thinking, I'm like, oh my god, I was completely wrong, and I was right there in person. I I want to see him back, and he looks like his mental, like just in ring, he's looked like he's enjoying himself a lot more too than what he was. Uh, during the end of his last run, I know he had a lot of stuff going on social media wise and probably everything else. So it's kind of nice to see him get his body back into shape and hopefully he's got his mental uh, health back into shape too, because I, we all know it's pretty tough mentally for all these wrestlers as well. So to overcome the physical and mental kind of stop signs that are thrown in your way, it's kind of nice seeing him overcome that and back and entertaining all of us. Our third matchup of the evening is Big Breakfast, Jordan Oliver going one-on-one. Oh my goodness, that's too many ones here. With the one called Manders. Yep. And I'm glad Manders kind of gets this kind of match because like uh, we talked a couple of shows ago when they had a little scramble match and stuff went kind of awry at the beginning. Manders was the one that kind of put the ship back on the sail and uh, set it on its correct trajectory and path. And... um. Seeing him step up as a leader now going against Jordan Oliver, I think this was kind of a good little bone to throw his, not bone to throw his way, but this also a matchup that I've never seen before. And it was a very fun matchup. And once again, we get to see Jordan going against a completely different style of wrestler than what he's used to in the one called Manders. Um, I enjoyed this match. I like the ending. I kind of, I very much like how they, Kind of surprised me with the ending. I just wish this match would have gone on a little bit longer. What was your thoughts on this match? Okay, so no disrespect to all of the other performers that came beforehand, but this was the match that felt like this was the first real wrestling match taking place that had some form of real importance. I don't know if it's just because I'm familiar with the performers. I don't know, but it felt like the talent level and the level of match quality went up. Once we hit this Oliver Manders match, the Midwest is man, a one called Manders home territory. It's obvious he was receiving a ton of love from Indiana. Oliver was showing a left arm injury. He had a wrapped elbow and he played up that injury fantastically. Um, I don't know how hard he's worked on it, but he does a damn good job because I had to watch really carefully to see if he was or wasn't but he did a damn good job making it look like he was injured quite a bit. The um, This match was like, it was just much more exciting. It was a nice step up. There was good pace and energy, truly hard hitting. I was really surprised by how rough they were with each other. It was fantastic. Manders was about 65% of the offense in this match. To me, this was the first truly exciting match of the night. And I loved how strong this made Manders look because I he's another one too. I think he's kind of underrated with the GCW roster who could be doing yes. a lot more things than what he has been doing or is currently doing. But I see kind of a Manders will in- be belt worthy. I'm so yep. sorry no, for cutting no, you off. Like I said, I'm tired and it's finals week. Manders will be belt worthy at some point. I think he has the ability to carry it. 
And I've seen in a couple occasions where it looks like he has the leadership to step up if necessary. I'm really 100% behind Manders eventually carrying a belt somewhere. And that's kind of right. No, that's where I was going to. I think with this trajectory now that they've been the last couple of matches Manders has been on and he is being featured a lot more all over the United States, not just in the Midwest and, and AC, like how he typically normally is booked um, in those areas. I I kind of was thinking and I kind of get this way as we talk about our next match and the last couple SGC matches. I'm I'm kind of feeling like. Manders might need to kind of break away from SGC somehow, some way. Really? I, yeah. I, I'm, I'll kind of, I was going to talk about this a little bit during the SGC matches. Uh, I think SGC needs something to freshen it up a little bit other than just kind of going out there, causing chaos and going. I, I would like to see them not break apart. I still would like to see Manders and no. stay together. But Don't I like you do see, that to me. I, Don't you yeah, do that to me. That would be like the most extreme kind of. No, no. Okay. I'm okay. Going. Okay. So let's do this. The winner was Jordan Oliver. He had a quick surprise roll up on Manders. It really was out of nowhere, right? Yeah, it was after uh, Manders's Manders went for the uh, the power slam and hit him on the buckle, and Jordan smoothly turned it in, rolled yep. through it, grabbed his legs, and like as you said, it was a surprise three count. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I don't know. I just think Manders. I see how he fits in with SGC, but I'm thinking that would be a nice kind of change of pace for him to kind of. Full on, like it would obviously make him a heel, which I think I think mm-hmm. he performs better at anyway. But um, yeah, I don't know if he would have to team up with someone or whatnot. But I think like he's one of the ones I think. Axon Ray, that, yeah, no Axton shit, Ray, right? he fits with him too. <laughs> Axon Ray fits in with everybody, but I, I would love How to see that. that yes. work? How does that work? He what? could fit in with Ninja Mac. No, oh, yeah, no, no. Axton, How yeah. does Axon Ray? We we might have we have to talk about this phenomenon. But this is fucking me up. Uh, Axon Ray actually fits in with a lot of people for some reason. I don't know how that is. I think it's just because he's so versatile. He's yeah, that's exactly the word I was going to use. He's so versatile. He's got the power. He's got the strength. He's got the creativity. He, yeah. He. I think as he grows into, it, we'll see the more charismatic kind of uh, Axon Ray that he wants to become. But yeah, I think he just stylistically fits in with a lot of opponents, or can turn those opponents into tag team partners. I think it's just because he sits on this fence where he could be a power guy. He could be a, this kind of guy. He's got the athleticism to be this kind of a guy. Um, when he pulls God. these rips off, like when he bounces off the ropes and does like the handsprings, like, and he does it like coming off and turns his body into it. Like mm-hmm. I had the body mm-hmm. controls. Another thing that's like, we talk about agility and strength. I think the body controls just, and the smoothness and everything's like so smooth and crisp with him. But yeah, he's, he is a phenomenon. As you said, it's, it's interesting to see all these different things that he could be doing. And they are starting to do with him. Our next matchup of the evening is a eight-person tag match as the aforementioned SGC, Mance Warner, and Matthew Justice team up with Alley Catch and Sawyer Wreck. They are... I'll let you say the name. I got my child into this room. I don't want to be saying that oh. name. <laughs> SG Cunt? Yes. That was, uh, that was pretty yeah. funny seeing on the screen. I was like, what SG? What am I? Like, oh, and then like, I didn't fully hear how they announced it, so... Um, yeah, yeah I played it Emil, back. Emil like, hit it right on the right head. On. Yeah, they just went right into. It. I was like, okay, there now no subtlety here. Um, <laughs> those four. Okay. Good. No, no, no. Go ahead. You, you first. <laughs> <laughs> These four teamed up to go against the two tag teams of Infrared and the Bang Bros. And nice seeing the Bang Bros again. I like I said, I kind of like 
like their moveset, like how they work together as a team. They have a lot of very innovative tag team moves as well. So it was very nice seeing them out. Um, kind of the same thing. I know you're about to touch on it too. Infrared, I'm not too familiar with. Are they the part of the group from the unit too? From uh, Wrestling Revolver, right? Is that who they're from? Ooh, now that no, is a good question. I, I do not know. I don't want to even fake I know. Me, yeah, the name Infrared's making me think it's... Uh, that team but i could be well they're a midwest squad i'll tell you that much because the one thing they mentioned during this match was that how familiar were that they uh, that infrared was with the venue so they must work all the time um i don't know what the name of the company was that frequents the venue at the arena right now but they could be working with that company so if you go on to yes, say a cage are. match and you that's it yeah okay so that's why they're locals yeah they work with new south out there in alabama mostly in like the mid-south and uh yeah uh wrestling revolver so i I thought i knew i heard of them before i think i actually saw them on my first ever wrestling revolver show but it was nice seeing them in a gcw ring and i was kind of thinking they're uh throwing infrared and the bang bros out to the pasture here they're uh throwing them into sgc world and I was interested to see, though, how SGC would team up with Alley Catch and Sawyer. Well, Alley Catch is with SGC, but I would wonder. I was wondering how Sawyer Wreck would fit in with the team of SGC. And unsurprisingly, I think she did fit quite in pretty well. Um, but just the way they kind of manhandled Team Infrared and the, the Bang Bros through this match, I definitely felt like it was one of these uh, go out there and just kind of be... Not good bases, but go out there and flop your bodies around, make SGC look good, and... That's what I thought. It was fun. It, it was fun. It was a typical SGC match. Like I said, I I don't like to break them up because I think I still think they're still over, but I just think they're way it's, over. It's kind of been repetitive. And I, I get adding Sawyer Rex to the group, I guess, changes it up a little bit. Them going against Infrared and Bang Bros, the new tag team. I I don't know. I just I think something needs to change or I don't Listen know. to you. Yeah, I don't I don't okay. mess with SGC because like I said, they are over, but for me they're still over. I still like to sing the song, but then I don't know. I just feel like there's something that needs to be adjusted somehow, some way. Huh. So for me, cause I'll, I'll counterpoint you. I think they're like, I'm trying to think of, you know how they had the Sandman come out in ECW mm-hmm. last week, you know, I think they're the equivalent where it's almost like when they show up, it's a party. Yeah. So you're expecting that when you hear the music hit, it's a party. I think it's the same thing. Like with Sandman, it's the beer, it's the the music, the whole nine. I don't know if they'll ever go away from that gimmick, to yeah. be honest with you, because because it works so well. Um, so what you're talking? Because I want to get to the bottom of this one now. So you're saying SGC keep keep Mance and Justice together and shake up with Manders, like have him break off, or what do you what are you thinking? Talk I, to me about. I this. don't like as I'm talking. I, I don't know. I just feel when I'm watching these SGC matches. I'm always entertained. I'm always loving it. I love the split screens. I love the chaoticness that they bring with them to these matches. Um, I like how they're always got the crowd into it. That's a big thing as a wrestling fan. Mm -hmm. You always got to get the crowd behind them. I don't know. Like, I just feel like something needs to be tweaked or they need to go full on. I don't know. I just feel like maybe them turning on Nick Gage and getting the crowd against them. I don't know. We don't want that. We always love seeing the the respect and walk and stuff. I I don't know. I don't know why I'm, I just feel like there's something that needs to be tweaked. I, I don't know how to explain it. I just, I feel like a little change, not a dramatic change, but a little change wouldn't hurt. And I, I just don't know what it is though. 
I just have it sitting there. I just don't know why. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I had to I had to ask because I just I'm I was interested in how you would mess with that one a little. Yeah, huh. that's like I I think there's a way, but then like I'm always still entertained and I think if I'm don't you know don't mess with anything that's making you happy. Don't mess with it. Just let it make you happy. Don't overthink it. I I my wrestling head over overthinks everything. So I don't know why. Well, that's okay. I don't know why I feel that, and I don't have any good answer to it. So I will just sit back and enjoy the SGC chaos that they always do i guess and just shut my mouth no 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 well you may have an answer one day you never know so yeah, click you know there's always new performers debuting there may be someone that the minute he comes I out you're like that guy right that there might be it they might need an actual another stable to feud against and for a purpose a reason like that's why they stay as a tag team because i don't like how sometimes oh, they kind of throw not throw manners out to the side but like it always just feels like it's man suggested, which I'm I love both of them. I love everything about them. I don't know, a free bird like use more free bird kind of style teaming up, or I I really think they just need another mm. a foil. You need someone to go against. And with what they had before, as we talked about last show, the their former group that were they were kind of going against, it made sense of why those four, five, six people in that group were always be have each other's back and team up. There was always a reason for it because they were always getting jumped. Where it seems like here they always are coming in as like the favorites against Infrared and the Bang Bros and stuff like that. Even though they did take a loss a couple weeks ago against Cole Radrick, uh, Sawyer Wreck, and I forgot. I think it was the Sawyer Wreck and Alley Catch, I think maybe. Whatever team that ha- that was, they, they took a surprise else. I don't know. I don't know what why I'm thinking it. As you said, no, I, okay. I, I can't blame it on finals. I just blame it on my wrestling head just wanting to do something <laughs> different. I don't know. I'll tell you what I liked with the fucking split screen coming out. I watch SGC matches sometimes just to see the split screen open up. I wish people understood the love that I have for it. There were a lot of chairs being used before the first two minutes even ended. Mance had skewers. He was trying to drive them into someone's head. I didn't have it. Uh, I was looking down when that was going on at the time. The uh, Bang Bros were doing that rolling move. They ended up putting Justice and Mance through Love a door. That, spot. that was great. Uh, oh, hell yeah. Uh, Logan James had a great dive over the corner of the ring. Uh, he did it over the post. Like he did one of those frog leaps over the post. Um, a masked man comes out to attack Allie, but SGC basically chases him off into the crowd. Then we see Logan James hitting a twisting neckbreaker on Sawyer through a table. It was punishing. It looked crazy. Um, there are a couple spots in this match I would tell somebody to go back and just watch them for just to see it. Like that twisting neckbreaker through a table was vicious looking. This was a very busy eight person tag, in my opinion. And I think the locals really did a fantastic job with the uh, the veteran opponents that they had with them. Yeah, I now I'm talking about. It, I said that I wouldn't mind seeing uh, JT Dunn bring his the unit over, and mm, they could mm. they could use that as Alley Catch is technically a part of that group in Wrestling Revolver. Um, within Fred, we've seen JT Dunn on G- GCW in the last couple months, at least at one time. But I think he is like a super talented person too, where he could be utilized quite well and this GCW roster and a lot of the matchups that he could provide um, with the wrestlers that GCW typically and regularly use. I think that, yeah, maybe bringing in JT Dunn and the unit and having maybe Ali catch being the one that kind of swerves them into like kind of leads them to the lions. And then 
So he wrecks the one that kind of would go fill Ali Catch's spot in SGC. That would give her a nice little bump. That would give SGC a fresh face and give her and Ali Catch a nice little feud going on if they go that way. But uh, I definitely I like the infrared. I liked um, how, what they did in this match. I All the spots here were typical SGC, fun, entertaining spots. Um, the, I love that, though, the rolling the rolling uh, spear through the door with Manson uh Mm-hmm. Manson Justice, I love that move because it was <laughs> Manson was kind of like just looking at him like, "What are you doing?" Oh shit! Oh shit! And then he gets smeared. Like I kind of liked how oh, like, yeah. kind of caught him off surprise, even though he kind of stood there with it. But it, he played it off quite well, like he normally does. Um, yeah, another fun SGC match. I'm the same way too. I kind of pop like right, I'm always like when the match starts, I'm like, "Where's the Where's the camera? Where's the camera? Where's the camera? Yay! There's the camera." <laughs> when they go yeah. split screen, so I, I do like when they go split screen a lot. Oh, we didn't say the winner. Uh, Team SGC does pick up the victory as they all hit frog splashes uh, from the corner onto Logan James for the victory. Fun, entertaining SGC match. I don't know. I don't know why. I just feel like there's a need need to sprinkle something there. I don't know why. I'm I'm listening. Anytime you come up with it. I'm kind of yeah, I'm talking myself into it, even though it doesn't need to happen. Uh, our next matchup of the evening is a one-on-one match as Shane Mercer goes against Jack Cartwheel. And I was wondering if Shane Mercer was going to be tossing Jack Cartwheel around in this match as he typically does the smaller competitors. But uh, Jack Cartwheel is not a typical small <laughs> small performer there. He is a... Mm-hmm. He is a He's thick. Sticker. He's got the football yeah. body. He is uh, not as easy to toss around as some of these other competitors Shane Mercer uh, typically does. So I was wondering what would happen in this match. I was wondering this is a nice another step up for Jack Cartwheel to prove himself with the in singles competition against Shane Mercer. And this was entertaining. I, I thought this was a great first match to come back from the break with because it kind of had the strength, the high flying, um, and a lot of crazy spots from Shane Mercer. <laughs> I was laughing at all the Shane is going to kill you chants that were in the beginning of this match. Love it. Um, Shane fills the need of a beast in GCW. We need that. Every company needs one strong guy that just ragdolls people. It's, it's enjoyable. I think it should happen more often. I, I honestly think more people in life should be ragdolled. Uh, Jack doing cartwheels (laughs) around the ring was uh, fantastic. Mercer was pressing cartwheel over his head 10 times. That was a fantastic little spot. Both men really did show off their respective abilities, though. This wasn't a situation where Mercer would just grab a hold of cartwheel and toss him. No, there were times where Mercer tried to grab cartwheel. Cartwheel took his abilities with him the hell out of there and um, had eluded him quite a few times. Both men were outside the ring around six minutes in. Honestly, I couldn't see anything. The um, the lighting out there was really bad. It was not really anyone's fault. But, you know, the venue just it was dark in that area. There was a lot of this is awesome chance. There was even dueling chance between the two men. There was not really a heel or a face, even though I felt Mercer should have been the heel because he was just so well loved during this. So... Yeah, this was a busy ass match, my man. Tell me what you think about it, because God, it was a lot. It's tough, like with Mercer. Like I, I, as you said, he. You would think in this match, him being kind of the beast of this match and the the stronger opponent and the bigger, uh, bigger one. You'd think that everyone wants to root for David and not Goliath, but 
just like Axon Ray. I think he's just so curveball. His, his moveset. Yeah, it's not what you expect. He's impressive. And whenever he does these moves, it just it's you can't just sit there and not cheer for it. It automatically gets that crowd behind you. And that's what I love. I think Shane Mercer's, like as we said, Manders, I've been saying Shane Mercer's one of the ones that is definitely needing something big for GCW because he's been around for such a long time and is always willing to step up deathmatch, tag team, one-on-one. He's always like AJ Gray stepping up and does whatever's needed of him and asked of him. Um, and he does a fantastic job. I think I wouldn't mind seeing him kind of be a little extreme champion uh, for a little bit and kind of do some cool things with the uh, scramble matches or one-on-one matches as extreme champion. Cause he has shown he can get violent when needs to, but he's awesome. even when it's not the ultra violent kind of matches. Okay. So our winner in this one was Shane Mercer, but I want to explain that this was one of the most impressive ways to uh, pull off a win, he grabbed a hold of Jack Cartwheel. He did a gorilla press into a moonsault and battery, and then turned around into a Diablo driver for the win. It was a fantastic set of moves. The Diablo driver, yeah, it kind of caught me. I was like, what? He's not finished with him yet? No, he just got to put that little cherry on top to make sure Jack yeah, Cartwheel yeah. is done. And I love that because it paid attention to a little detail. We're like, hey, I don't think he's done yet. Let me hit him with one more just to make sure. And yeah, definitely did the trick, and I would like to see these two kind of go at it again and maybe have a different kind of style match where maybe Jack Cartwheel is the one that kind of dominates the entire match and Shane Mercer's trying to play catch-up to him, but then that takes away all the fun stuff that Mercer could do. No, no, no. They should flip movesets, too. That would so be, Jack, that, Jack's that in there good, doing though. Shane's shit, and Shane's in there doing Jack's shit. I want to see I want to see Shane do cartwheels around the ring. That, yeah, that's one thing we're missing. Right yeah, yeah, now. yeah, yeah. That's what we're missing from Shane. <laughs> that that will put him over the top. No, fun match. I I enjoyed it. Great first match after a intermission, and definitely would like to see these two go at it again. Yeah, both these guys chants from the crowd at the end of this thing. They they both completely won over the crowd. Yeah, Jack Cartwheel's improving every time I see him as well. Like it's so good seeing him improve week after week in GCW ring. Our next matchup of the evening is Cole Radrick going against Effie. And um, I kind of like how at the beginning of the match, I kind of was talking about this. I wonder what would be the possibility if Effie would get mad at Cole, like how Jordan and Nick Wayne got mad at Alex Cologne and John Wayne Murdoch. And I I absolutely got that, which made me happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Effie starts off the match with the mic and he's like, I'm going to steal your thing here because that was like the one thing I really loved about this match was Effie calling that bullshit out because it's just the weird booking that kind of sets up people for a possible match that doesn't happen. It kind of ruins what the whole intent of the match was originally planned for. Um, Effie grabs a mic, says he is Cole's friend, but he's mad that Cole didn't beat Gage. This is supposed to be a fucking title shot, but he blew it. Right. Just like how Jordan called Alex Colon out on that bullshit. But, um, I, I was asking for that last week. I got it this week. So it was nice to kind of see them keep that continue uh, continuous uh, theme going with champions that were or challengers for a championship match where if they were win, Effie would have gotten the next shot, which is kind of cool to see. They would have kept that same match and just made it a title match. Um, this this was fun. It, it was the more serious Effie that we've been kind of asking for and we got to see it. He does get to have his little fun in here, which... 
he kind of always seems to, a way to make an Effie match an Effie match with these little yeah. spots. Yeah. But it's never feels like it's always the same thing. He switches it up. And I just find it so entertaining how he's finding creative ways to kind of tease the kiss or tease the moments where he drops to his knees and stuff like that. Um, I enjoyed this match. I thought this was a sleeper of a match as uh, the night went on. I kind of thought this was kind of slept upon. And I, I enjoyed this way more than I thought I would have based off of the other matches throughout the night. Okay. For me, you're going to like, I'm the opposite. I'm yeah. so sorry. Yeah. I'm the, I just, for me, this wasn't a match. This was just kind of a more comedy thing. They, you know, they weren't really out there trying to get five stars, 10 star, you know, they were, um, I was looking at my notes and it says stuff like Cole is begging for a kiss, just a peck chance. Cole is pulling Effie's tricks, dropped to his knees, asked for the dick. Effie finally kisses Cole and starts to rally back. Like I was looking at this and I go, where's the wrestling? So my next one said the wrestling portion was decent. There were some chairs used by Effie. There was a battle outside of the ring and into the crowd at one portion during the match. Um, Cole bit Effie's ass. I don't know what that wrestling move's called. Dude had a blockbuster shirt and a Bud Light hat. Dude, I see you. You're one of my people. Fuck yeah. (laughs) So towards the end of this, though, there was a masked man who came out and he gets grabbed by Effie. The masked man is no one. Absolutely no one that we know. We're like, who in the hell is this guy? Well, it was supposed to be like that because Charles Mason comes from behind and attacks Effie. And because of that, the match technically ends. So this match ended in a no contest. And long and short of this, Effie said he'll see Mason in two weeks at the UCC. And Effie's going to kill you, Chance broke out with the crowd. So, yeah, this was primarily just a setup, I guess, for the Mason situation. But... um, I wanted to try to see if I can find my note here. There's my note. Okay. This match was just not much for wrestling. It was more of an entertainment style match. Maybe not today, but they do deserve a legit match together soon. They are good enough to carry a solid 15-minute banger. Both would definitely go over with the crowd. So I'm hoping to see those two meet up again in a more serious capacity because I think both of them can seriously wrestle. Yeah, I would like the same exact thing. A nice 15 minute, just back and forth. Go at it. Yes, a nice, legit match, as you said. Uh, Because of what happened at the end of this match, we kind of understand why this probably didn't get too crazy because it wasn't the main point of putting on a great match with uh, Charles Mason once again being an asshole and coming out and ruining everyone's fun. Um, Bastard. I kind of liked at the beginning, too, when Effie kind of like put his finger in Cole's face and like was mad at him was like, no, you ain't getting this. And like, you see Cole kind of get like really angry. Like that kind of like set him off a little bit. That kind of changed the mm-hmm. tone at the beginning of the match where Cole was like, Hey, I'm not a kid. Don't put your hand in front of my face. And if he just walks away being the veteran that he is, cause he knows he's in Cole's mind after that. And I just loved Cole's reaction of like, get the, get your finger out of my face. Like I'm mad. I, I'm not the champion either. You don't think I'm mad. It sucks, but we're going to have this match. And, Yes, I would still like to get the Effie kiss and do the Effie spots, but like I'm legit mad that I lost the belt too, and I wish this was a championship match. Um, yeah, it was fun. I the swerve at the end, I really liked the swerve because I when I saw that one person come out, I was that immediately thought Charles Mason too, and then you just see the camera yeah, cut away, yeah. and then all of a sudden Mason shows up. It's like what? Like I'm a wrestling fan. Like yes, I get kind of expected, but in the moment, I was like, oh, like. 
Mason, I thought this was kind of like what Mason did in LA was sending out someone else to do his dirty work while he's back home in New York in his whatever rich ass mansion. But I thought he was sending someone else to do the dirty work on Effie. But he was there and in uh, in Indiana to do the dirty work himself and to send a message to Effie for uh, coming up what in two days uh, at the UCC Center. We kind of see the grudge mm-hmm. match of Effie and Charles Mason and. I'm interested to see if they end that story or if they kind of keep it going with Alley Catch and uh and Charles Mason and Effie. I wondered what I wonder how they're gonna wrap that up. I'm still very interested to see how the storyline plays out until the very end. So the booker in me says that they should have taken that first guy who was anonymous and beat the shit out of him, assuming he was Mason. Then they pull it off and he's a nobody and Mason standing right there. That I would have booked that. Yep. And then secondarily, another way this could have went since there was so much of this friendship stuff in the beginning of the match. I think Mason should have targeted Cole. I'm not only going after you, Effie, I'm taking out your fucking friends. It's like basically saying, if you got a problem with me, guess what? You got a problem with me, but also, yes. And that's right. So now, you know, if you piss me off, that's fine. But I know where your mama lives. It's that kind of a situation, you know? Yeah. So I, uh, I think that would be a great way to dig into into somebody so that that's just the booker and me trying to improve on it but i i think that would add some depth if maybe you know that person i don't know okay or effie like see what i was thinking of like maybe effie does get a win so at least we get a winner because i kind of hate the whole no contest stuff or there's no winner it just feels like it was pointless and i like i think there's another way they could have sent the same message here's i would have done it i would have had like effie win the match Gotta give the Cole Radrick like the handshake, walk away. Cole's in there mad that he just lost two big matches in a row. Um, and then as you said, Charles Mason comes out, chokes him, and then Effie yep. comes Effie out. Effie runs back. Yep. And Charles Mason runs away. Effie's checking on Cole. Then Effie could finally give Cole the kiss at the end that he wanted at the beginning of the match. And oh, everyone would be happy. That know. would have been fantastic. It's easy to book after uh, we see what was kind of already planted. It's kind of to, kind of easy to pick the fruit off the trees that they plant. Should have asked us. Should have <laughs> asked us. No, no, no. But I mean, that's really good, though, if you think about it, because then, yeah, it would have been like a solidifying of friendship between those two because he would have come over and given him a kiss. We would have had a winner like, of you know the what? match. Yep. Everyone's still would have had a Mason. Yep. Yeah, totally Mason, too. He would have come on there, done his shit, and left. No, no nothing. Just come in, boom, hit, left. And whatever doesn't get said could have been said in a promo over YouTube. Yep, exactly how I was thinking as well. That's that's well thought out, man. Yeah, they got to call us about these decisions. After they tell us what they're going to do first, though. <laughs> yeah, 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 of course. Of course. <laughs> okay. And for our seventh match of the evening, we have a six-man tag team with the Rejects, with the team of Murdoch and Reed Bentley, and Madman Pondo versus Los Macisos and Jimmy Lloyd. And I don't know. What do you think, B? <laughs> well, the Rejects were originally banned from the arena for over uh-huh. two years. <laughs> no shit. Yeah, did you know that? No, yeah, I did not. Banned. I'll yeah. let you take over that one because you know more about that than I do. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it was just mentioned in commentary momentarily that the rejects were banned from the arena for over two years, and this is their first time back together in the arena. So the other thing I wanted to notice here was that John Wayne Murdoch had his mega bastard shirt on, and he hasn't parted with that. I like that. I was wondering what that uh-huh. was what was going on with that. If that's like 
a thing he's going to do until Alex comes back. I thought maybe he was going to like kind of rip it up and say, I'm done with Alex Cologne. I'm going to start my new chapter here. Now that I got my old teammate back, my original teammate back. Um, I saw that shirt too. And I was like, is he going to do something with that shirt? Unfortunately, he doesn't really do anything, but I did notice that as well. It kind of did stick out to me when I saw the mega bastard shirt on. Yeah, I think maybe this is one of those things where two performers are telling each other, I love you, you know? It's like, hey, you know, hey, look. Like when Jimmy Lloyd, when uh, Drew Parker's not here, Jimmy Lloyd was doing all the syringes through the mouth spots and the darts and stuff like that. Yeah, as a paid a little homage to it. I don't I don't mind that. I like it. So there were a ton of Cyclope chants through this whole thing. Pondo started to use the stop sign on the Los Macisos almost immediately. Let's just say minute two of this match. Then he gets a staple gun. We're getting he starts getting dollar bills from fans and starts stapling them to Miedo's head. And uh, oh, yeah, also the balls. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe about a minute later, they finally have the camera swing back and somehow Pondo got a dollar stapled in his fucking head. Uh, fans were being used as weapons up to and including battering rams and chop machines, basically just fans delivering chops. Uh, <laughs> Pondo brings out a cinder block at one point and breaks it on Cyclope's balls. Um, my favorite part of the uh, match, the Macisos hit the doomsday on Pondo through a door, which elicited an immediate holy shit chance from the crowd. Towards the end of this match, it breaks down to the rejects and the rejects and the Macisos like slugging it out. Pondo brings out light tubes, which is against two tough Tony's rules at the arena. We spoke about this earlier. So Tony comes out to uh, stop Pondo. He grabs a hold of those tubes. Tony said Pondo can't do that shit, but he can. And he grabs a hold of those fucking tubes and he smashes them all over Jimmy Lloyd's head. So basically, that was an easy win. The rejects are the winner here with Madman Pondo. It was primarily an assisted top rope deep south destroyer. It looked absolutely beautiful. Okay, so that was everything and then some. I just there was so many notes there. I'm sorry, dude, but I had to get through them all. There was so much. This was more violent than I expected because of the whole family yes. thing. I was kind of surprised when they were bringing out the doors and everything. I did like it when they used the fans. That's why I was like, okay, it's not going to be yeah. too crazy. They're going to use the fans. And like those fans were like kicking Jimmy too. It was like, they weren't just putting their feet out and leaving it. Like I saw one guy like bend his oh, no, legs no, no. and extend right at the right oh, moment the to lady. kick him right in the face. Yeah. Yeah, the lady at too. the end that was like an older lady, she had her legs bent. And then as soon as it got near him, she pushed those <laughs> fucking things forward. And I was like, oh, my God, she legitimately pushed him a little bit. Yeah, that it sounds was like good. poor Jimmy, man. But uh, yeah, I was kind of surprised where this was going once I saw the kind of weapons and stuff like that. And once uh, once Two Tough Tony came out, I was going to assume a swerve was going to happen. Mm-hmm. But I was also thinking maybe... This would be like Nick Gage's time to come out and be like, hey, if anyone's going to use the light tubes, it's going to be me, motherfuckers, in your place. But uh, that was kind of nice seeing him kind of get involved and do the do the swerve at the end and hit Jimmy in the in the face with the light tubes. Like I said, Jimmy took uh, the brunt of all the damage during this match. Yeah. And you know what I liked about all of this was that we were getting thank you, Tony chance, because he, (laughs) you know came out there and just handed a little fucking uh, damage over. There was also a challenge that happened here that I'm really looking forward to. 
the rejects versus Tony and Pondo. And that's an old school team versus a newer kind of team. If you would look at it in the same span of time as Tony and Pondo, like I was saying, like 96. So we're talking an old school team going up against a, a younger quote unquote team comparatively. This could be a very dangerous, very fun match between those two. I would, I would actually watch that match. That does look interesting and kind of. Uh, I, I like the Rejects together as a team. I really like Reed Bentley. Um, I'm kind of glad he's kind of back into wrestling now and wrestling more often. Um, hopefully that will kind of stay a thing in GCW because I think he fits perfectly in with uh, Murdoch. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, to see Madman Pondo team up with Tony, that would be very interested. Uh, very interesting match, especially against the Rejects. Because we've seen the Rejects have a pretty decent match against the Rock and Roll Express. And, like, they can switch it up and go old school and not get as crazy when they need to. And we've seen them get violent as needed. So, yeah, I think they would be able to hold a pretty good match with Two Tough Tony and Madman Pondo. Los I like Mas- how the... Oh, go ahead, brother. No, I was just saying uh, Los Macisos, this was kind of after the night before of uh, not kind of getting their moment with uh, Sandman and... Too Cold Scorpio as much. I'm kind of glad they did get this moment with Mad Mad Pondo. And during this match, they kind of did a lot more than in this match than they did the night prior. So it's kind of nice seeing those Macisos get a little bit more of a ring time and in-ring action than the night prior. So the stupid thing I was going to say was I was noticing that while the cleaning crew was working on the mat after this match, did you notice something popped and threw a shit ton of sparks behind the crowd? Ooh, you need to go look that up when you get a chance. So there'll be a spot where you'll see, like if you're just watching the screen, in the upper left hand, roughly, you're going to see just a large, like a popping sound or something. And then you're going to see sparks out of nowhere just fly out of, I'm guessing, the wall or a light. Like something just like it was an electrical problem. But uh, and well, and earlier in the night, too, it looked like um, one of the I forgot which match it was, but it looked like one of the wrestlers was out there like posing at the end. And it looked just based off of the lighting, the lighting looked like someone threw like a water bottle in the ring. So I had to like go back and rewind him. Like, did someone just throw something in the ring? But it was just yeah. the way the lights were shining. So maybe that's yeah, I don't know. Maybe that had something to do with that. I'll have to go back and rewatch and look for that. Uh, the sparkling and the popping sounds. And I do like that we have an arena that's owned by a wrestler or a former. Well, no, he's wrestling still. So, you know, someone who's been in the business, understands the business, understands how to create a contract, understands the whole process of how, you know, promoters can be. That's that's really cool. I think it would be nice to see more more business people own buildings and take advantage of them in that aspect. Um, so there was one other thing here that i i have to mention mm-hmm. commentary asked um the fans to get online and talk to people about where would you like to see gcw next isn't that the one question brett hates getting <laughs> like yeah. i know that like yeah. on the podcast yeah. they're like all right mailbags open and like over 50 60 of the questions when you coming back here when you oh, going here God. like okay, I, yeah Here's why I just, here's why I just, I, uh, Las Vegas, you literally fly over us once every six weeks when you go to LA. We're less than four hours away. Come visit us. We're really good fans. I'm sure we held a really good gate. Everybody's cool as shit. There's no crazy shit that you have to deal with in Las Vegas. Um, 
the podcast will make sure we're extremely friendly and we make sure that all of these um all of these performers get at least a smile a handshake and a hello i mean come on man once a year from gcw from las vegas we we need a little more please Absolutely. i mean we're not we're not bentonville <laughs> you know and we're not you know, we in. don't have a moose. Yeah, <laughs> we don't have the moose, but but um, we do have uh, we do have gambling and legalized weed. You should come out, guys. I, I'm kind of shocked they haven't, especially because like um, the last, as we said, the last Vegas show was in a different venue, and it looked like there was way more people there than that was in the previous venue that they used to go to in Vegas. So I thought, like, based off of the the turnout alone, the attendance, I thought that would be enough to kind of, Hey, like we, we sold this place. I don't know. I don't think they sold out, but I mean, it was a pretty good well, crowd there and it holds way more people than the other place did. So there's a max of 500 seats at that place where the show went on in May and they didn't use all 500 during the GCW show. They actually made sure some were taken out and then just used them as GA. Yeah. So, uh, the gate roughly was around 800, 850, roughly. Jesus. That's that's quote me loosely quoting someone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I know, about. right? Yeah. yeah. So about 800 to 850, I think, is a good loose gate on that one. And, and that everybody had a great time. And that person yeah, would know. Definitely. Yeah. So there were 500 seats. There were some seats that weren't used. And they felt it was smart to do that. And I think it was smart to do that this time. Yeah, I think like I wouldn't I'd be happy with two times a year. Seems like they're only going to come out now and AEW comes out for double or nothing, which seems like that's going to be a Memorial Day weekend kind of thing. So, I mean, I guess we get to look forward to that. But it is kind of, as you said, it is a little not frustrating because like we get we can still go to the L.A. shows, even though it's more of a drive and hassle and stuff like that. Um, I am kind of a little frustrated that they haven't come back because I thought. The last crowd, as you said, was awesome. There was not really any. I had a great time with the crowd. Like I, the people next to us were friends. You were two set <laughs> before we knew yeah. each other. You were two seats down from them, right next to them. We so, were the loud. We were right? the loud assholes to the left. That's what we were known as at the time. <laughs> and I was talking to the quiet ones uh, right next to you guys. <laughs> but no, the crowd yeah. was very good. I didn't see any rowdiness. Um, like there was like one, like one. I saw someone messed up and like you fucked up, champ. I'm like, okay, guys, really? Like we're gonna no, really that's nothing. Harp that's on nothing that. Yeah, that's that. nothing on that compared to what I've seen in LA and stuff like that. But you were able to. I was walking around during some of these matches as well, just to kind of get up and go because I sat all weekend long that weekend. Um, but I was walking around and there's like people were moving out of my way and saying excuse. Like it was like it was a good environment. Chill. It, it felt very, very cool to see, and I thought we were louder shit. Like. I, I sat. Oh, front, yeah. We sat front row, um, and to me, that place sounded loud. So yeah. I, I don't, I don't know what the deal is. Maybe, maybe they are trying to just make it a well. That's double or that's nothing only. Then, well, okay. So if that's the case, I really do hope they treat us fans to a nice three, four day weekend because we get starved out here. We really do. We get starved. One once, I mean, Impact is coming out here multiple times. Some of these other companies are coming out here. Um, yes, twice a year would be really cool. I swear we'd make it worth your while. The fans are very supportive out here. We've got a good fan base. And the LA crowd would happily drive down here to go out 
and yeah. watch the yeah. Raiders or go gamble, make a weekend out of it. But you oh can my throw God. in GCW yeah. there. So not only are you going to get the normal Las Vegas crowd, which is pretty big, but I've seen at the Vegas show, they see a lot of the same people I see in L.A. And vice versa, like some of us out here in Vegas, I see the same Vegas people I see out here in L.A. all the time. So I think that would still you could still capitalize on the L.A. audience and the L.A. Uh, attendance to show up because that's just an excuse for them to come out here for a weekend. So I, I agree. I wish it was more than once. I, I think two yeah. is legit, like not a unreasonable ask based off of what kind of Vegas could provide with the fans, the setting, the venue, and to kind of draw more people from close to the Vegas area to a GTW yeah. show. I mean, we were giving Effie such lines that he had to rethink how he was going to receive fans after our show. I remember listening to him on his podcast saying, you know, I mean, I was in a line for an hour and a half after this, just watching him just go through people, go through people. I know because I waited till he was done. And I mean, yeah, an hour and a half after the show was when he finally, you know, clocked out for the night. Yeah, and after and, the show, uh, there was long lines for all the wrestlers. Like we went for Jordan. Like it got, I think Effie was right next to Jordan. Like it got so big, like Jordan had to go somewhere else because Effie's line was just getting big, and they wanted to yeah. put out more merch. And Jordan didn't have as much, so Jordan's like, "Hey, I'll move somewhere else." But I saw lines all throughout the end of the show, which that usually happens at the beginning of the show. And I know at the beginning of the show, I had I, I me and my wife waited in line, and I was like, "Hey, the show's about to start, and we haven't gotten what we wanted." She was like, "Hey, I'll stay in line. You just go enjoy the show because we brought my friend." Yeah. So I sat with them, and she got she got our early merch at the beginning of the night. Then at the end, we went to go back to get some more Jordan and other people's merch, and there were still lines out there. So I I think it would be beneficial, obviously, for Lots. the wrestlers as well. <laughs> Yeah, I think Las Vegas treated him really well. I think it's just a matter of how everything works out. But yeah. um, also, it was definitely loud as shit in that place. Part of it was the ring. Another part of it was the fans. And the third part of it was the acoustics in that in that little venue there are just fantastic. Everything just bounces off the ceilings really well. Um, it is like an old 70s style wedding banquet, so it does have that nice bounce for sound. So if you get 50 people to yell in there, it might sound like 100. Just, yeah, it, it sounds so good. So, yeah, um, we're ready. I mean, both. Well, I know me for sure. I'm bringing an extra two or three people with me on top of the five or six I brought last time. We've been waiting for front row seats. Just just bring them out here. We'll be more than happy to pay for it. B, I know you're the same way, bud. I think if, if there were some front rows right now, we'll take them in Vegas. Yeah, I think that kind of also uh, affected my, well, not my decision, my wife's decision to get me the LA ticket for this weekend because uh, they haven't been out here in Vegas. And also the only way I could go really go see him is out there in LA uh, this coming up weekend. So um, I think that kind of factored into decisions like not like, oh, hey, just wait till March. I'll see them there and have fun. Then it's like, I don't know when they're coming back to Vegas. And I don't think yeah. they're going back to L.A. until the collective. It looked like it from when I looked at, at that calendar. So it's like I go see a GCW show this weekend or I don't get to see one for another <laughs> three months, four months. So uh, I, I think there may be some shows in between there, but um, don't quote me just yet. There should be some shows in between. I thought I saw one in January in L.A. In LA. Oh, okay, sweet. So yeah, Double, I might have read it. again. I'll check my know, my. Uh, I'll give a I'll give a cheap plug here. Go, I'll go check out the GCW or not the. I'll go check out gcwplantspodcast.com and uh, go look at their events calendar since it's kind of nice and easy to read. Oh, there we Figure go. Out what, and when is the next show? All right. So. Yeah, I'm. Uh, 
I'm looking forward to seeing uh, really, I know I'm jumping ahead, but we can kind of go into it a little bit here. I'm really looking forward to seeing how Billy Starks is really going to develop. She's just doing fantastic. And I, I think she's going to get picked up by a major company sometime. I think now that she's 18, that's going to be yeah. real fast <laughs> based off of what yeah. we've kind of seen these younger, especially the younger women wrestlers and other companies getting signed so young. So that way they could develop them how they want to. I, I agree with you. I, I'm thinking the Billy Stark stays in GCW's kind of, uh, but I start winding down here soon, unfortunately. And that, that that's going to be the case for a lot of these wrestlers, like Tony Deppin, Blake Christian. Now that Ring of yeah. Honor is a thing, we see Tony Deppin on Ring of Honor television and look like they're planning an angle. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, Nick Wayne. Wayne to, uh, Jordan, Jordan will go. No shit, he will go. It's only a matter of time. His body now is not looking like an independent body no more. Now he's starting to look more like a TV-style body, and that's what needs to happen. There's a lot of guys here that have bright futures that we get to see all the time. That, yeah. You know, Yamashita. That, yeah. You know, um, and then uh, who else? We were just talking about um, over at AEW. We covered a ton of his matches over here. Shit. Can't think uh, of his name off the top of my head. You and I were talking about too. Japanese wrestler. I'm trying to think of his name. Oh, he's Takeshita? over at AEW. Yeah, the yeah. cash doll. So yeah, I think yeah, he's done he's... one or two. I think he's done the JCW shows, but that was like really the GCW show that weekend because yep. of settlement series. Yeah, I remember doing a couple reviews on him, and yeah, he was just damn solid. Like you could tell he was ready to go somewhere and really do something. I don't want to go I too like far him. into this because I know we got the main event still coming up. Did you see that Takeshita match? I told you. No, I have oh, not yet. Okay. Okay. All yeah. the fans out there, I'm not going to dive into it. I thought this was a fantastic television match on a Friday night rampage. Go check out Moxley versus uh, Takeshita there because uh, that was one hell of a show. And we get former GCW uh, talent. You get to see them on that stage and kind of see what we got to see a couple months ago from Takeshita as well. And going into our main event of the evening, as we said, we have one Billy Starks going against... I don't even know if I could keep calling him everyone's lovable or our lovable favorite asshole because uh he's getting there. He's getting behind, getting that crowd really against him. And with his <laughs> he's motions, that kid. He he's becoming that kid. <laughs> he stepped up the intensity there with his assholeness. And uh, it is still fun cheering for him because he's so good in the ring. One, Tony Deppin. And I was excited for this match because I just know that these two can't put on a bad match. Um, I'm kind of surprised it's the main event. Not really, as you're going to kind of go into the your part. I didn't think about this at that time, but I love it. I love how they're giving her that main event spot because as we were just talking about, it might be one of her last matches in GCW that we are, we don't know about. So giving her that little mm-hmm. rub, maybe before she goes somewhere bigger, or even giving her that opportunity to say she main invented a show against Tony Deppin uh, is a awesome thing to have on your resume as Tony Deppin's a well-respected wrestler, obviously, for Ring of Honor slash AEW. So it could only be so beneficial for Billy Starks in this moment, and I'm glad she got it, and this match did not disappoint. And I'm not going to lie. The one thing I can say here that I have learned over the past year and a half, two years with GCW is that if you have the opportunity, take pictures. If you're live, take pictures. For Christ's sake, you're going to be happy you took that picture with Nick Wayne a year and a half ago. 30 years from now. How about when you're sitting there and you have this picture and it's Nick Wayne and Jordan Oliver and Billy Starks and, and Cole Radrick and like all these people are sitting around. And, and I mean, 
down the road, there aren't going to be a lot of people that say they got pictures with GCW originals. That's how it's going to be talked about down the road. Trust me. I was living through the ECW years. GCW has put such a stamp on the wrestling community as a whole that they are already looked at in that light. So you might as well get as many pictures as you can because there are a ton of people out there that try to show off all their old ECW pictures and wish they took more pictures. I recommend you do this if you're a real big fan because you're going to be able to look at something 20 to 30 years down the road that you're going to really be able to appreciate. Maybe give to your children, maybe get signed, maybe worth some money. Who knows? But yeah, if you can take this all in, you paid to be there, take pictures. These, these talents are fantastic. And a lot of them are going places. And as someone as a, I, I'm a new independent wrestling fan with GCW kind of talked about before. I just really got into independent wrestling two years ago. Once I fully got into GCW. Um, so I have kind of gotten to the point where it does feel kind of cool seeing, Hey, holy shit. That's Tony Deppin on AEW. Like, let's go. Yeah. Ring of honor. Blake Christian teaming up with AR Fox, like AR Fox, another GCW person. Like, I think it's so cool seeing them on the bigger stage. And it just, mm-hmm. I, I, every time I see it and like, and it puts a smile on my face and I'm going to say this, like, and I know my wife has said it too. And she just said it recently. Like she is not a wrestling fan at all. Like she just a really a wrestling fan because of Jordan Oliver and he did a lot of cool things the first time or the second time I saw him ever out here in Vegas with my son and bring him into the ring and stuff like that. So that obviously like, oh, okay, he treated our son nicely. I'm going to feed him. She we uh, she watches wrestling now with me, only GCW, mostly Jordan matches, but she's going with me to New York to, uh, to St. Yeah. Louis. We go to LA. Like, that's when I got to go see Suzuki. Like, we do all these things because of like Jordan and GCW that I would have never done before in my life. And I had no idea about independent wrestling, but my wife doesn't care two shits about wrestling when they had the Ric Flair's last match and that pre-show when they showed up uh, at the uh, bunkhouse brawl, when the screen, we heard Nick Gage's music and we just hear the screen say long live GCW. Like oh. my wife, not a wrestling fan. Like that was her mark out moment. She's like, oh, look, look, like, see, it's GCW. Like, yeah, like seeing that's the excitement. Our on, company. Yeah, seeing the excitement on that on her face in that moment. It was just like, that's how I feel that when I see these wrestlers that I talk to at GCW, we talk to at these other promotions, like these independent wrestlers, like this is the time you're going to be able to talk to them and be able to take that close picture and get to know them a little bit more personally if you spend some time with them at their merch tables and talk with them. Like Tony Depp and I got to like I got to talk cult movies with him and he's talking to me about a movie that he designed his shirt from and everything. Like once they get to these big stages, you're not going to have these opportunities no more. Nope. So nope. I like feel so happy. Be thankful. For exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. I'm, and I'm, be thankful to them too. be thankful for them and be thankful to them. And they'll do the same back to you. Yeah. No shit. That's what I was going to say. It's like, it's so cool being able to have those inter- er, interactions and like, I kind of cherish it, but then I'm also like, I'm so thankful that they are giving me that opportunity right now because they don't have to do that based off of what they're doing. Like, but yeah. I think a yeah. lot of these GC, a lot of the GCW wrestlers I've talked to and kind of personally talked to a little bit more than just a hi and Hey there, like they are really awesome people. They treated my son cool. They treated my family cool. They, they made sure everything has been cool for, us as fans in general. So cherish these moments. Like I said, as you said, like we might not, I, I hate to say it like we might wake up tomorrow. Cause Billy just turned 18. Right. Uh, 
like a couple days ago or within the last week, I'm pretty sure. So like now that she's 18, she could work almost in any city. Like she might be getting those phone calls tomorrow. Like, hey, come down here, cancel your indie dates. We think we got something with you and boom, we don't see them again. So Mm -hmm. it's it is very nice seeing them go to the it's kind of bittersweet. It's nice and that they're now getting successful, like more success that they obviously have deserved and earned in our eyes that we see them grow up. But it's bittersweet that we might not be able to see and get to know them and talk with them like that as they get keep on progressing in their career so here's what you're going to see over time it's like watching your children graduate Mm -hmm. that's what happens when you watch say one day you may see let's just say like tony deppin work his way up the schedule you know and all of a sudden now he's going for a championship and then you see him win that championship and hold the belt up and then just like what's going on in his head where he's been, it's going on in your head where he's been. And it's like you're proud of your child because he's up there and you know where he's been and now where he's at. And you saw him when he was working with no money. It's like the starving artist thing. We want to be there and we want to, you know, um, not sponsor. Sponsor is a great word for any wrestler, really. But we want to just be <laughs> as kind as possible. And yeah, and yeah, we've sponsored here and there off and on, but but bittersweet in the end as well. No, I get it. And, and yeah, now is the time. Get your pictures with Billy. Get a chance. Get a cameo would be cool because, well, if she's available for something like that, do it. Have it on video that somebody who's a future star sent this out to you years ago when they were still young and you know still just learning and so on and so forth um with this match billy was in home territory here she had a great ovation from the beginning and emil had announced she was the youngest american wrestler to ever main event kirkin hall another awesome thing to kind of see happen (laughs) yeah and and we we can go over this often and we haven't but there are so many things that go on at gcw that sometimes we don't appreciate until after those times have passed Mm -hmm. like i was talking about how uh i think it was mike iron mike the guy who's 73 years old him and you know the only two guys that are still active wrestlers that have wrestled against luthez like some of these things are so interesting that you don't know until someone looks it up and you realize like madman pondo what is he oh he's just a a death matcher from 25 years ago that he's just coming in to you know help out a little bit and then for guys like me that have watched him for that long for me it's just cool to see one of my guys still out there up and moving large and in charge as he is he's still out there and moving man i appreciate that i'm a big guy too it's all good (laughs) yeah this this was a fun main event. I I definitely enjoyed it. I I actually think Billy stepped up tremendously, and this was mm-hmm. one of her better matches. That's saying a lot because she's had a lot of great matches. Like I don't ever recall kind of seeing any boring Billy Starks match. Like I think the one I I'm not even gonna say boring, but the one I I didn't like it just because how bloody she got was her match against Bro- uh Brogan Finley, and she just got destroyed. But I just, loved that. No, the the look was awesome, but like just like oh man, like oh young I get you, stuff. I get it. Yeah, but, yeah. I the enjoyed. look, the look. How did that not become a T-shirt sure, yeah. and a poster <laughs> and everything else? That sh- we said, we said that about the T-shirt. Like I definitely thought that was a missed one because, like, one of my favorite T-shirts I got was Gringo Loco um, after his match. Holy shit! Not with Dos Wagner with um, Psycho Clown when. 
Uh, he had the match in Texas with Psycho Clown and building up towards the collective and Gringo Scott that we saw a mean Gringo. Like he had mm-hmm. like horrible fly and everything. So we got to see a different kind of Gringo that we knew. And he was just busted open and bleeding. And it yes. looked so awesome visually. And he turned that into a shirt. And like I was in L.A. like right at the end of the show when somebody literally just picked up the, the box and gave it to him. He's like, oh, OK, I did get my shipment in. And he, that was the first time he was selling the shirts. And I was one of the first ones to get it. And I. Love that shirt because the how visual it looks. It's just like yeah, so awesome. Like people walk by looking at my shirt, like what the hell? I'm like, yeah, you don't know about it, but it was a cool little moment caught in time and turned into a shirt that I'm gonna proudly wear. Nice, dude. Yeah, um, this was the first time I've ever heard a "you suck eggs" chant. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God the Indiana crowd still has their humor <laughs> about them. That was fantastic. You're right. Tony was a great heel. To me, he was a touch aggressive and it was good. Even from the beginning, before they had a chance to really fully let Billy just do her pose and say hello. Fucking cracks her in the back. I mean, Deppin stepped it up in his heel moves, put on a a very good uh, technical match. And Billy really stepped it up on her side. And I would say she came up to Deppin's level yep. in this. And I I think that just like I, you can quote me here again, the time that she spent overseas really did improve her as a performer. I can say that about almost anybody. Uh, yeah, again, I was about to say that. You, you can say it. that about all the ones that have gone over there. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, Billy was uh, in control for only small amounts of time during this match. It was really sporadic. Tony was really putting a hurting on her for this 15 minute uh, this 15 minute match. Uh, Billy took a fucking beating. No lie. And I'll just announce it since we're here. Uh, The winner ended up being Tony Deppin. Billy ended up tapping out and it looked kind of ugly. And then he started doing the hammer fists, which has been his new thing. And it just draws so much heat. I think it's great. It's a great move because it's just drawing so much heat. Yeah. And I was kind of talking to you about this match before. I've watched this event twice, but like both times, I just I fall. Not it has. I just because I'm up late and I'm tired. Like I fall asleep during the main event, so I never got to see the ending. And I just finished it real fast as we were uh, about to start. And I I was like, holy shit, is Billy gonna win? <laughs> like I yeah. legit was yeah. like, what are they doing? Do you just put? You just booked Tony, and like, why is that match going to happen? Because Billy really looked like she was going to win this match at two different times. I said out loud to you, I'm like, what are they doing out here? And then like, okay, it makes sense. And it was such a brutal ending where it's like, you're an asshole, Tony. Like, I I can't say the lovable asshole no more. Like, he's right. That his what he's doing now as a heel is up there, kind of like what Charles Mason is. Is like. No, he's you're turning up these, the heat. Yeah, you're one of these assholes. Like, we don't want to see you no more because you're ruining our matches or you're being too rough on our our regulars and our stars. So I loved it because it I think it elevated both in my mind. I loved this main event. It was a perfect way to end the night heading into the LA show with Tony Deppin challenging Nick Gage and Billy Starks. Amazing. Tony Deppin, you're an asshole, but amazing as well. <laughs> <laughs> so so after this match. Tony continues to hit Billy and it's kind of not stopping. So we hear the bell. He's not paying attention to it. And then Gage comes out from the back. He hits the ring. He has a uh, chair there and he hits Tony with it. And that kind of gets Tony out of the ring. So again, we'll get a little further into this. If Billy were not going to go to a major, I would think that this right here would be the new cornerstone for GCW women's wrestling. 
I really think that this we're ready for too. a new era. Her performances are clean, um, much, just much better than we've seen from some others. And I think that she's the future in certain aspects. I like her use of color. I think she's fantastic in the ring. I believe she's still learning how to use um, emotion. What I mean by that is sometimes she'll be in the ring as a bad person. Every now and then you might see her smile. Or eating you know, chicken little- nuggets from the crowd. I, 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 what, during one of the Vegas shows, like, yeah, she came out as Bully Starks. And right when the match started, she's on the apron and like, Someone's like, oh, are you hungry? You want some chicken nuggets? And she just walks out smiling, takes the chicken nuggets, goes back, gives a thumbs up. It's like, you're supposed to be a bully. And they're like, yeah, I think, yeah. Like her teammate like smacked her and said that. And she's like, oh, yeah, I got to change it. She's got to change yeah, my role. She's, she's <laughs> lovable is the yeah. problem. It's she's doing the lovable part. She, that's something nice. It's something funny. And you're right. Yeah. So these things I know she's going to learn in time. And the reason why I say she also has a larger future is because I see her also how she uses her face as a heel. She has a good heel face also. It looks like she can take a beating. We've seen it multiple times now. And I could say 100% by looking at the amount of dates that she's worked in the last year that she's a hell of a hard worker. So she's one of those ones that if you're looking to build a, uh, a women's division in your company, she would be a great start because she's already trained up quite a bit. She has tremendous upside still to go. She's highly trainable. She's likable. She smiles. She does the whole happy thing. She's good with children. This is somebody that would be a good step forward that you could hold on to for 20 or 25 years and really get a lot of good uh, work out of. I really do think that if GCW was looking to play the long game where they were going to secure contracts, this would be this would be one of the moves I would make before she was taken by one of the major corporations. Yeah, she would be. We talk about these young pillars. Like I think she would be right up there. The first, uh, if we were having given contract, first five, you'd have to lock up just because yep. the future and everything that she's she could do now and still in the future. So yeah, she definitely one of the pillars as in GCW, and hopefully we get her to stay around for a little bit longer. You know what? I got a great play game I think we're going to play maybe on the next uh, episode or two here. I think I'm going to look at who has went through GCW in the last two years. And I'm going to give each of us 30 contracts to give out. Oh, that's a lot. Let's go 10. Let's go 10 draft order. Oh, we can't give 10, the same ones. 10. But the pro. Okay. So we have to work somewhere between 10 and 25 or so then. Like maybe 15 or something. Or Here's why. Here's why. I'm thinking we're both going to. We already probably know the first 20 that are going to get picked. It's just a matter of who picks them first. What I'm wondering is when the her when when the regulars are gone and have been picked, who comes out? I'm uh, curious. So I got a better what, game. What number? What number got, sounds good? So I got a better game here. Okay, okay. I think so. I think it's a better game. Uh-huh. Let's do I pick one person, you pick another and we keep it like a regular draft. Okay. And then we, and we just explain. go back and forth. Yeah. If we go back and forth, we could explain our answers. We do like the top 10 or uh-huh. if, we, if we feel like we could go 15, we'll see what number we kind of, if do. there's honorable mentions. Yeah. We could go out there. 10 but, is good. And then we put it on a poll out there and have the fans vote of which, which lineup, which, uh, which fantasy draft would you prefer to have for the next oh, 10, shit. 10 years in wrestling? Something like, oh, that. Oh shit. Here's the problem. Let's get, is- the, let's get some fan interaction here. 
we almost see this is where it gets crazy was you know you have to have a woman or two well if you have two women now you only have eight men well now if you only have eight men you have to have one or two death matches that leaves you as we see in gcw just woman versus woman man versus man you can mix it up and match and still have a very successful company as we see the women can hold their own we have seen that as well let's do it i like it oh my god okay so 10 is 10 is good but I will tell you, I will be pushing over because in my expand. head, I've got a fluttering 15 or we'll 20. We'll go with the bit. lucky 13, right? Is that a, is that the same? Mm. Lucky 13? Mm. Okay, so maybe that'll be our homework when we get a chance, once you and I can get a nice list together. After I get I'm back, gonna go LA, back yes. through. Oh, absolutely. Oh, we can get it ready because for the LA show on the next LA show. Yeah. I could do that. I think that might be something we need to look forward to was uh, maybe we should throw like draft classes together and see who comes up or what comes up. Yeah. I like the other it. thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good idea. Um, we'd have to compile a list. One of us would have to compile a big old list because there's a lot of wrestlers that came through in the last two years. So yeah. for me, I'm literally going to look through the shows and only like probably write down the important names and I'm going to go to the next show and do it. And you so. know, I would have a pretty eclectic, uh, roster from everywhere with all the wrestlers right. i seem to like it would be some of these ones would be out there because i would just like i would just grab them just so that way i could say i had them and just in case you didn't take it away from me but i can no, justify I why i would take them that high you're gonna you're gonna get it number 10 and you're gonna be like oh my god but i wanted to mention this one trust me oh, yeah, gonna i'm gonna have it run out 15 sure. or so uh, you'll you'll yeah there's more than you think we're going to oh, be bringing yeah. up some controversial names here too because there's some great talent that has come through gcw in the last couple of years well we could do the 10 first and then we'll see uh what the fans think if they really like it we can do the next five and that continue it on to see how long it uh how long they'll stand us to do that little bit for maybe <laughs> i don't know I, for some reason the idea makes me feel like happy i feel like there's some stuff there that i could dig out because i would love to see what the last two years of people i can pick from look like and then it's going to be damn hard to figure out from there i'm going to start that here probably tonight that might be a good one and based off a of last, yeah. based off the of last podcast i'm pretty sure you'd bring up some very interesting names Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm already prepping you yeah, for it. I can see where your mind's going. Uh, I got That's a couple exciting. good names. Yes, Barry. I got a couple good. Oh yeah. <laughs> save it. Man. Save it. Uh, what, what, whatever. What's that podcast saying? Time. Time listening. Spent time. So let's. Listening. So so let's not bullshit. If I picked SGC, would that be considered one pick, or would that be considered two picks? Because oh, it's two. Are we going to do WWE style rules? <laughs> Well, no, what one I'm saying is it's like team. an entity, an entity, you know, SGC is like, I an think entity. they'd have to be an entity. They're, they're the SGC. They'd have so, to. So, so yeah. See now, now the, now the, now the fans that are listening are like, but now how okay. are you going to take them? So that way you could get that depth. Come on. We're, we're can't, we got to save this. We got to save this. Well, I was going to say, if this gets too deep, cause I think it might get really deep. We might have to just take the last two years of people and we book a women's show. And then we take wanna, the last two years of people everybody. and we book a death match. I want to keep it everybody. Everybody. Shit. Oh, God. No, I'm going to hurt some feelings. <laughs> I'm going to hurt some feelings. Well, let me get your mind off of that. Get, uh, get you on to your memorable moments of tonight. So yeah, 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 yeah. I start thinking about my draft picks. <clears throat> Ah, I told you. Yeah, I think it's a really <laughs> fun one because I have a feeling it's going to give us the opportunity to really look at things. And playing Booker with someone else's money is always so much fun. 
Yes. So um, do you want to go first or you want me to go first? How do you want to do this one today, sir? Um, I'll just go because I, I I just kind of have like I don't have really any memorable moments. The one I really the one thing I loved about the show the most is probably the most memorable was because of how funny it was, was the opening. I loved how they did the clean version of MDK. I love Dave Prezak enjoying it. Nick Gage still cussing, even though it's being picked up. I loved it all. It just was a fantastic open to me. And that was like really the most memorable moment. The card was solid. It had its matches. I just don't think anything memorable came in my, in my opinion, happened during this night other than kind of the main event, as we said, Billy stepping up to Tony's level and Tony kind of keeping on moving to another level with his assholeness and got a big match against Nick Gage. I love the dynamic he's starting to create here where it could be possible that we get a new champion maybe. Mm. And I'll be there. All right. I'm excited for it. Dang. I like that one. Um, the clean Emil. I think it was funny that we had to hear the MDK introduction, the radio edit. I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> the Mercer cartwheel matchup was different and refreshing. I really enjoyed how different it was than most of Mercer's other um, opponents. So I wanted to say I came away with a new matchup there that I didn't have in my head before that I got to see. And then I also wanted to just kind of reiterate, I did appreciate the heads up again on the family friendly situation there. Um, Truly GCW without blood is like a car without brakes. Not going to lie. That's my honest opinion, respectfully. But again, knowing this up front, I can settle into the show understanding that this is what I'm going to be watching. Just like if it's WWE, I settle in going, this is the product I need to accept that I'm going to see. Same thing with AEW, same thing with GCW. So that's that's what I really have for my memorable moments. This was a shorter show. This had, um, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about it. I, I'm really at a loss for it words. It was just a shorter show. show. It was just a fun little show. Yeah. It's not like blockbuster this and that. and. Yeah, nothing um, crazy came out of it, positive or negative. It was just fun, entertaining show. I'm not gonna lie. I've actually tried to think about my picks uh, <laughs> for the. I'm, I'm like, I'm already in my head going that one. Nah. Well, what if I get that one? That's a good representation of that <laughs> one. Well, oh, well, shit, just take it back off for one of your moments real fast because uh, I did actually really much appreciate it. As you said, being warned for the family friendly because I had no like. That's what I. I don't know a lot of these states' there's regulations and stuff, but like. The one thing that kind of always gets me is the GCW world, the world of GCW Hammerstein um, with it being in New York. I guess a lot of people were disappointed because there wasn't any blood and, and a lot of craziness and stuff like that. Where luckily I knew that rule and I kind of knew a lot of the other rules. If you go back, uh, don't want to promote the other company because they just stopped working for them. But on IWTV, oh no, never mind, never mind. They took it all off. It's all on Fight TV Plus. Let's stay on Fight TV Plus. Uh, Lost in New York. They kind of mm-hmm. did like a little bubble version, kind of like all the old MTV pop-up videos where it would pop up different details about the song and how everything came about. They did the same thing in New York when they had Lost in New York and they had crazy matches that night, but they brought up what they were allowed to do and whatnot. And like that kind of made me going into Hammerstein. I loved every bit of it because it was exactly what I expected to be. And I, w- I didn't leave disappointed. But like, where's the blood? Because I kind of already knew that where I think a lot of the online criticism for that show was, where's the blood? This isn't, as you said, we expect right, a certain right. thing. And I think they're for one of their biggest shows of the year, they thought, 
they would be getting something different. And so I think that kind of hurt a lot of their feedback on that show because there wasn't too much of a heads up. I mean, there's only so much you can do too without kind of souring on the show of, hey, we're, this is going to be a GCW show, but in parentheses, not kind of we ever normal show because of the rules. Like you can't say that and still promote a really good show either. Well, it's hard so. to promote that exactly. because what's what's going on is it's taking a couple of your greatest strengths and it's taking them out from under you. And you know, and to promote you know something like that where it's going to take away one of your greater strengths is just you know it's it's not good for your your pocketbook in that sense. Yeah, um, I just wish it didn't yeah. hurt their that review of that show. I loved it. I was there, but like I even watched it. I, so I enjoyed special. it. I enjoyed watching it on TV more than I did in person because it was so special, man. The presentation was fantastic. And I loved all the different commentary teams. There was a new one for every single match, how it looked. As you said, the presentation was awesome. The different styles of commentary made it enjoyable and the pacing, like it was just nonstop. Go, 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 go. And at home, I want that kind of stuff because like, I don't want to, oh, 15 minute break. I'm going to go walk the dog or whatever. Like I could always pause and watch whenever, but the nonstop action made it feel like it just was going and going. So I loved it all. And I just, it kind of got a bad rep and I wish they would have kind of gave a heads up. But we understand why, like as they did this one. Dude, I went back and I was trying to watch a little bit of the Hammerstein and uh, I forgot that a dude with no legs came out. Dustin Thomas. Yeah, I completely forgot about that. I don't know if I blocked it out in my head, like the pre-show, <laughs> or I don't know, maybe. Who knows? I think but, he even um, got a couple eliminations. I think he elim- Oh, man, did he eliminate Pero or one of the big, one of the, I think Pero was the other biggest person other than Big Vin. No, I just, I think Charles Mason tossed him out there, and I was like, of course, Charles Mason would be the one to toss him out. Of course. <laughs> yeah, so, no, it's been a fantastic night of wrestling. Yes. We really enjoyed it. Um one afternoon only. I still was trying to figure out what that meant. I guess it was just because of the time of the show and whatnot. Yeah, it was in one yeah. afternoon. Only that time in history. So then we were talking about L.A. for a second there. The one piece of good news I wanted to give out that I normally I'm normally not able to make it. But after the start of the new year, I'm going to be able to start making these L.A. shows. So I'm just letting any fans know that. Starting after January here, as soon as I can, I want to come out and say hi to a bunch of people because, like I said, we don't get a lot of shows in Vegas. If we could get shows in Phoenix, Vegas, San Diego, L.A., I'm going to be game to go to a lot of these, and so is B. It would be awesome as shit if we can get out there and say hi to a bunch of people because, you know, we're just normal people. We just want to go there and watch the show. So it would be really cool, though, to say hi to someone, like anyone. It would be cool. So yeah, I said uh, the last show I sat next to a GCW Patreon, a name we hear all the time, and uh, uh, not a GCW Patreon, but we know that person. But our local shows as well. He goes to seems every single wrestling mm-hmm. show I go to, he's always there. So uh, yeah, um, I will be there again this Friday, booking it right after work, <laughs> and hopefully, hopefully this Vikingo match goes on after the show is over on it will. TV. It will. Because with the traffic issues that they've had the last couple L.A. shows where when you watch that show, the first two matches, three matches, it's empty and it don't fill up till the fourth, the fourth, uh, fourth match. So I'm really hoping just for my sake, I might get there right at bell time that it's on. You'll be fine. I want to see Vikingo uh, wrestle. They're not going to open a show with that. Like, 
not the live, you know what I mean? But yeah. they would not open the show with such a caliber of match. That's that easily going to lot. be later on. Yeah, I think that would set up a lot for the rest of the night to kind of have like your probably what they originally sold all the tickets for was the debut of him to uh show up <laughs> like I'm looking at your eyes still like from the laughing and the crying. <laughs> but yes, I will be there and uh yeah, it's gonna be fun. Could see the debut of Kingo. Uh Seems to be quite a few more death matches than normally that they have in the LA show. I think there's two. Good. Two or three. Give us death. Give us blood. Give us violence. Yeah, I think we're definitely going to be getting that in LA. Uh, But yeah, looks like a fun show. Like, obviously, for me, the biggest thing is uh, the Dibby Vikingo showing up. But I think they just announced like this one of the last matches, the scramble. Alec Price, Jordan Oliver, Nick Wayne. Uh, was it Jack Cartwheel, Cole Radrick, and ooh, I forgot who the last one was, but what a, it's a crazy scramble. They just announced it. Like I was retweeting with some other people. That's like one of those all-star scrambles we saw uh, a couple months ago that all six competitors were obviously very talented and put on one hell of a scramble. Wow, dude. Yeah. Um, okay. So the Vikingo, I'm actually scrambling to look up real quick what, uh, what the matches are for that. Do you have a match listing somewhere nearby there? Or um, if you can beat me to it. Los, um, I know Los Macisos going against. Uh, got it right here. Got it right here. Pagano versus Janela. Yeah. I already that's know that's going to be a fucking mess. I love it. Than Hunter versus Sawyer, if I remember correctly. Uh, let's see here. Let's see here. Uh, I don't see it on here, but that would be fantastic. Uh, Masha versus Sheik. Cardona versus Starboy. Rockness versus Los Macisos, Effie versus Charles Mason, Gringo and the Vipers versus Ares, Commander and ASF, and God damn, what a show. And it's showing here, yeah, Vikingo versus Blake. Wow. That's a show. That, yeah. That's like, that's a big show. Yeah, he, he I, I wasn't going to go originally because even though I... When I've been begging for Vikingo for two years. My work, it's uh, been getting shit for leaving or n- not going and stuff like that. So I'd have to take that day off. So I was just like, you know what? I'm not going to go. And I already missed out on my front row ticket. So whatever. I'll just wait. And then they announced Vikingo. And I was like, motherfucker, I need to go. But I can't get off work. But yeah, it's that I think is going to be the biggest draw. I, it's, I don't know. I'm just very excited to see Vikingo. Oh, yeah. In the, in the States, I'm glad that he's... Now it's for a couple GCW dates here, so it'll be fun to see what he's going to do out there. Well, I'm just excited to get my ass out to L.A. after this New Year hits, because as soon as I can, I want to say hi to a lot of these ECW. Oh, oh nice. GCW guys. I said ECW. I want to just say hi to a lot of these GCW guys. You know, we we do a lot to make sure we promote them and say a lot of nice things, and we try to be as honest as possible to make sure that we don't blow a bunch of smoke up someone's ass. If it doesn't look good, we don't say it looks great. Um. I just I want to go ahead and I've met a lot of these guys, not as podcast John Wolf guy. You know, I've I've they've met John Wolf. They've never met podcast John Wolf. So I'm looking forward to getting a hold of some of these guys, meeting them, sitting with them, saying hi and um, just a mutual show respect back and forth will be nice. So, yeah, as soon as I can, I'd like to just go and say hi to Brett in a in a more official capacity. I've talked to him just when I wasn't doing podcasting. So it'll be kind of nice to get out there and just say, hi, this is who we are. Nice to meet you. So on and so forth and talk about that a little, but 
Yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. I'm really hoping eventually at some point to saying hi to some of these LA people and maybe getting to know some people out there because that's when it gets fun is when you start to say hi to a couple familiar faces that you're happy to see. Yeah. No, it, <laughs> yeah. It, you see a lot of very familiar faces. And like I said, most part, it's awesome crowd. Like, just like any other crowd, you're going to hit it off, but or hit, have a off person here or there. But it, it's yeah, fun. If yeah. the atmosphere is like, insane like i do have to say that atmosphere like the crowd energy is louder than vegas like the last one felt loud but like la is usually louder it's yeah the way more energy they got way more passion especially when you give them what seems like the majority of uh them once the violence and the death matches that crowd is incredibly perfect and loud and gives you and the probably the competitors all the energy in the world to do what they do because they are something else when when they get what they want (laughs) I'm not going to lie, dude, this was uh, this ended up being a fantastic little show for as much as we were thinking this this review would be kind of short, given the show, the way the show was there. It's a little shorter in time and less matches. So and I'm kind yeah. of I'm glad they continue the story even more, like got me more invested in Tony versus Nick Gage, because I don't think they announced any other challengers for Nick Gage after Tony Deppin. So I'm now kind of going into this like. I don't wouldn't wouldn't want to see this title run end so soon, but I definitely could see it happening. And that's as a wrestling fan, what everybody wants is you don't know what's going to happen. So I'm invested into this match more than I was after uh, or going into one afternoon only. I was invested, but now I'm even more invested just because the violence that Tony did. Dude, if Deppin wins, he'd have Cardona level heat. Oh, it's gonna be yeah, that's gonna be a Cardona. <laughs> I there would be shit thrown. Yeah, oh, guaranteed yeah. in LA, absolutely. And who says that they wouldn't want it? Obviously, at least this one would be kind of planned. Where the <laughs> other one wasn't. It didn't seem like with Joey. And I expected. Uh, I think they expected like super bad response, but not almost like throwing full buckets of beer and ice into the ring at them. So yeah, uh, this one, happens. I think they'll be a little bit more prepared to handle any situation if it does happen. Cause it'd be kind of cool. To see Tony Duffin get this moment of glory. I'm happy, man. You good. Yes. Let us send Sweet. them out. Peace bitches. No, that's not happening. I'm about to say, let's go. <laughs> All right. Long live. Live. G-C-W. W. Bitch.